Well, hello, all you beautiful chicks and dudes of all sorts. This is Suave Rob Suarez, the bitchin' double-X daredevil star of Suave Rob's amazing ass-saving association, here with another ass-saving tip, totally free from me to you, to help you save your ass so you can live to sit another day. Now, back in the day when dudes were dudes, this one dude, Benchmark Bob, buddy of mine, he had this little accident. He tried frying up an egg when he was totally hammered. So he washed a pan, then didn't dry it, then put a shitload of butter in it, then turned on the heat. Well, when you do that, chicks and dudes, the water makes the oil go splatso all over your own personal face. And good old Benchmark got his bench marked, if you know what I mean. Like, when he took his apron away from his face, it looked less like a face and more like someone had stepped on a pepperoni pizza. I don't like to think about it. But that goes to show you, you know? Always dry your pans before you put oil in them, man. Especially if you're frying an egg. Want to know where I learned all this gonzo shit? I got it all done up pretty for you in Suave Rob's Double X Daring Do, the first book of Suave Rob's Awesome Adventures by J. Daniel Sawyer. Come share the awesomeness with me, my brothers, because you never know. The ass you save may be your own. Welcome to The Everyday Novelist. My name is J. Daniel Sawyer, author of nearly 30 books, more than 30 short stories, and numerous articles and scripts and essays, coming to you from up in the crow's nest with my spyglass on this daily voyage through the dicey waters of business, craft, learning, and art in the writing life. Welcome to The Questions, episode 912. Today we have feedback from Ed on the Bildungsroman episode. Ed says, Holy hot button, Batman. In episode 911 on The Buildings Roman, you briefly mentioned that people need to have an adult mental state to appreciate some novels. Well, I have long argued that one of our major problems culturally right now, which is not to say it isn't also common to other periods of history, is that we have too many boys in men's bodies. A fucking men. So I'd love or boy. To Sorry. <laughs> so I'd love to hear you riff on two things. Okay. A, what constitutes an adult mental state? And B, how can we encourage more development of adult mental states through our fiction? Ooh, well, I have a book on this coming out called The Secrets of the Heinlein Juvenile, and I'll actually, you're one of the people I'd like to get uh, pull quotes from on it, Ed, so I'll go ahead and send you a copy um, if you are so amenable. I'll email you, so um, we'll take care of that that way. Um, so what constitutes an adult mental state? I think there's a few things, especially when, um, you know, I'm talking mainly about boys to men here because I'm not a chick. And so I have opinions and ideas and informed observations about female maturation, but I am less, uh, deeply in touch with it because I didn't have to go through it. So I'm going to talk mainly about dudes. One of the basics to an adult mental state is, God, this is going to sound desperately conservative, which makes me feel weird because I'm not, but it's uh, the ability to understand delayed gratification. The acceptance of the fact that the universe doesn't care about you. 
people in the universe may care about you. But in the end, I think maybe the biggest part of an adult mental state is accepting that you're responsible for how your life turns out, no matter how shitty a hand you were dealt. And believe me when I say I'm talking from a lot of really, really dark experience here. I have... I had a shitty hand dealt to me in a particular way, and I have worked with and mentored and been friends with people who have had even shittier hands dealt to them. And some of them are able to fight through it, and some of them aren't. And one of the basic things that makes the difference is accepting the hand that you were dealt as your starting condition. As long as you're trapped in resentment and entitlement and wishing it were different, and who would blame you when things are bad, but as long as you're wishing it were different, you can't make anything of it. You can make it different, not by changing the past, but by doing things differently going forward. Understanding that really basic thing is very, very hard. And the worse a hand you were dealt, and I'll get to what that means in a minute, the worse a hand you were dealt, the harder it is. Now, what do I mean by the worse a hand you were dealt? If you're talking about objective measures, you would expect that people who had, say, difficult childhoods, or abusive parents, or who grew up in the barrio, or who grew up in the ghetto have had worse hands dealt to them, or especially with boys who had absent fathers. That's a really hard thing, especially if there were no uncles or close adult male friends to stand in for models of masculine maturity. But that's not exactly what... Those, those all amount to shitty hands, and they can all really retard maturation. But the thing that does it most is having inadequate adversity or adversity of the wrong sorts. Inadequate adversity means that you never get hard contact with reality, and so you never learn what you're really made of. And as long as you don't know what you're made of, it is very difficult to make anything of yourself. You tend to assume that you're less capable than you really are. You tend to not develop courage, which is the most basic adult virtue. Nassim Taleb, in his book Skin in the Game, goes so far as to argue that without courage, all other virtue is meaningless. And I think he's right about that. If you think about um, patience and wisdom and the ability to sacrifice when it's necessary, and the ability to make good decisions, the ability to rein in your impulses, that can all be done either from a position of courage or a position of cowardice. And if it's done from a position of cowardice, it doesn't get you very far. And it tends to be ineffectual, and virtue practiced by a coward tends to be more destructive than vice practiced by a coward. At least or at least more destructive to the people around you. Um, to yourself, vice can be more destructive. But when you are a coward, you tend to result to trying to fix everybody else instead of yourself. And what that 
often winds up doing is enfeebling and enabling the people around you rather than championing them and helping them grow, either by example or by the right kind of aid at the right time. Our culture has, at the moment, an obsession with comfort and safety that is deeply unhealthy. Of course, we all want to be comfortable, and we all want to be safe. But we, as a species, are not adapted for comfort and safety. We are so built as to only flower in conditions of adversity. And so if we do not have to struggle for something, it winds up being meaningless to us. It leads us into depression and listlessness and stuff like that. So accepting adversity, starting with the hand you were dealt as a child, accepting that as the ground condition from which you must progress, instead of spending your life resenting it wishing it were different, agonizing about it, and all the sorts of things that people are prone to do, and in fact, people are prone to do very publicly in our current culture, all of those things prevent maturation. The basic quality of a mature person is that they own themselves. And as long as you are resenting the people who have wronged you and the circumstances that have wronged you, you are letting those things run your life. And that's a really harsh thing to say directly to someone who is hurting and being self-destructive because they legitimately have a grievance. And I know because, excuse me if I get choked up a bit, because I was that kid. I was very, very cruelly bullied as a child. I literally still have the scars, um... I have leg problems partly as a result of violence that I suffered at the hands of my schoolmates. I had a very difficult family situation, and by the time I was an early teenager, I was suicidal and deeply self-pitying and in a terrible, terrible state. And I was lucky enough to have someone who spotted the terrible state I was in, another, an older man who was a friend of my parents, who adopted me as sort of a member of his family for a while. And he was not kind. He was, well, no, he was kind, but he was not uh, shy about telling me the truth that I needed to hear that I didn't want to. And one of the central truths was you can spend your life being justifiably angry and resentful, or you can have a life, but you can't do both. Coming to terms with that is the thing that turned my life around when I was 15. And when I look at the great children's literature, the stuff that is oriented towards maturation, or Nathan Lowell's stuff, which we were talking about before, or the Bildungsroman genre. What does it all have in common? It all has in common that the characters learn to accept who they are in order to become who they could be. You cannot become who you could be if you do not accept where you start from and let go of the resentment. Now, that's not a one-and-done thing. One and done thing. It's a process of learning and failing and picking yourself up and learning again. The way I think that we can encourage this process through fiction is to not write whiny, wankfest 
therapy fiction, not to write the chosen one and the power fantasy and all the other things that give people an escape from the responsibility of who they are, but instead stories that are more closely aligned with the hero's journey and the heroine's journey, where people have to be courageous in order to overcome, and where the prize in overcoming is not just material success, but is the comfort and ease with the self that comes from learning what you're made of. Whew. Sorry, I'm getting quite emotional about this. So, yeah, like you, this is a big issue for me, and I think you're exactly right. This is one of the reasons that our civilization currently is so dysfunctional. One of the things that is hard for women to understand about men is that boys have a very difficult time growing up without mentorship. Because we are so physically powerful and so drivey from such a young age. And if we are raised by women, we tend to suppress or learn to deceive instead of learning to accept and master ourselves. That's a general trend. There are, of course, always exceptions. And there are some fantastic single mothers that I have known who either had those qualities themselves and understood how to communicate them to their sons, or who understood that to become men, their sons needed those qualities, and so they sought out mentors for them. As authors, we can provide examples of boys becoming men in that healthy way. You know, and that includes making tremendous mistakes and having to take responsibility for them and face up to them when there is no reasonable hope of getting away from the consequences. And also of writing older male characters who model well the virtues of healthy masculinity. Of courage, of forbearance, of patience, of problem-solving. Things like compassion and empathy and the more feminine virtues are all pluses because every human needs those to be really successful. But if you've ever been around a lot of young boys, you know, boys are rough and tumble, but they tend to be incredibly emotionally sensitive. They often, unless they have it beaten out of them very young, developing the empathy is not the most difficult part. It is developing the acceptance and mastery of oneself that allows room for the empathy to persist into adulthood. If you don't have that mastery of yourself, you don't have the room to be generous and magnanimous to others. And if you, if you don't have that room, then your generosity and magnanimity are usually going to be sneaky ways to get approval instead of being truly generous acts of spirit. I could probably go on for hours about this, and I in fact did go on for about 300 pages about it <laughs> in The Secrets of the Heinlein Juvenile, which will be kickstarting soon, and which I will send you a copy of, Ed, because I really genuinely would love to get a blurb from you uh, to play into the Kickstarter project. So I'll be sending that to you after I get done recording this. Thank you very much for sending in the question. Please feel free to feed back at me. Tell me where you think I'm wrong or just riff on the subject. Anyone else, same door is open to you. 
we are out of questions. Um, we didn't get a lot while we were in the middle of the move, and we're just getting back into production now. So if you have questions, comments, criticisms, death threats, please do send them in. Feedback at jdsawyer.net, and we'll keep this ball rolling. It's good to talk to all of you again. And hopefully, we'll see you tomorrow. The Everyday Novelist is written by J. Daniel Sawyer and presented by J. Daniel Sawyer and Kitty McKeon and is produced by Artistic Whispers Productions Incorporated. The text is copyright 2021 J. Daniel Sawyer and the production is copyright 2021 Artistic Whispers Productions Incorporated. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License and all other rights are reserved to their respective owners. Join the conversation. Submit a question, leave a comment, or a creative death threat. Or find me at jdsawyeronminds.com or hit me at feedback at jdsawyer.net. We can't do it without you.